Welcome to the Church Times podcast. Try 10 issues for £10 or two months access to our website and apps also for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. On the podcast this week, the Reverend Fergus Butler Galley, priest and writer, reads a profound and moving article he has written for the 4th of February edition of the Church Times. Titled In the End is My Beginning, it's about a funeral he conducted recently with unexpected and deeply personal resonances. Fergus is the author of A Field Guide to the English Clergy and Priest de la Resistance, The Loose Canons Who Fought Fascism in the 20th Century. Both are published by One World Publications and are available to order from the Church Times bookshop. My ministry began in a fruit bowl, in a home on the edge of the Romney Marsh. A certain type of cleric reacts in horror to this. Baptisms happen at a 10am parish mass, or not at all. But mine didn't. I first put on Christ when a couple of months old, in the dining room of my parents' house, where said fruit bowl stood in for a font. I was going into hospital not long after, and so it was a rather rushed affair. Only my parents and one set of grandparents could attend in person. My other grandmother wept down a phone held into the ether. It all seems rather like ancient history in this age of Zoom. Open-heart surgery on a baby of my age, as was, is a tricky, tragic thing. My parents had selected the teddy bear with which I was going to be buried. I still have him, kept in a cupboard due to my own vanity and pretensions to adulthood. He's difficult to explain as a memento mori. But the surgery happened, and I didn't die. Much as I value my baptism, the moment my life in Christ began, I don't believe that it was the dousing from the fruit bowl that saved my life in medical terms. That was due to the work of the surgeons involved, who were acting on the crucial imaging found by a device called an echocardiogram. It had mapped the malformed shape of my tiny heart, and so allowed them to enter quickly and precisely, to stitch and to heal, rather than to invasively diagnose. Thirty years later, and the ministry that began in the depths of the fruit bowl on the edge of the Romney Marsh, brought me, via many peaks and troughs, to Putney Vale Crematorium. I'm there to take a funeral for a parish in Interregnum. I confess I approached it with some weariness of heart, it is the last funeral I shall take for a while, possibly ever. There is no room at the inn, or at least no job in the area. And when you've just turned thirty, the prospect of no home staring you in the face, then that means looking for other employment. After all, finality always hangs in the air at the creme. I had spoken to the next of kin beforehand and learned that the deceased was a reserved, gentle man, whose main hobbies were Georgian architecture, and being a collector of harpsichords. His passion was his professional life, and so they had asked a colleague to give a eulogy on his contribution to cardiology. The link raised a hint of recognition, but then I, like so many clergy, have commended many people to God whose lives could conceivably have touched my own, soldiers who may have served with my father, patients who could have been treated by my mother, and of course countless children of the same God who knew and loved those places dear to me. The eulogy progressed, and it became clear that this connection was a deeper one. Dr Derek Gibson was the father of the physiological echo 
and had made possible, in particular, its use in congenital cases. He'd been a stalwart at the Royal Brompton Hospital, where my surgery and its preparations had happened. He knew those corridors I'd been wheeled down when small. It always seemed so cavernous to me, long and whitewashed like the nave of a Dutch kirk. His energy, research and fierce intelligence had brought the technology on in leaps and bounds, with each leap being lives saved. Lives like mine. As we stood outside in the crisp January air, a mourner came up to me. I recognised the face instantly, for I had stared up into it over many bored hours of medical procedure. Magic Gosen had been a pupil of Derek Gibson's, and had also been my paediatric echocardiographer. I can still remember his cold hands, and the Thomas the Tank Engine noises he would make to cover the strange yell of the machine as it scanned my heart. He'd recognised my name, preposterous as it is, from the order of service. I knew you were either a patient, he told me, or an international rugby player. We chatted and reminisced about the Brompton, those corridors again, and about the Echo, the things it had made possible, and the man who had been responsible for them. Do you think that he saved my life? I asked him. Yes, Manjit said. He probably did. It isn't only finality that hangs in the air at the Krem, but circularity too. Being the priest who commended the man who had saved my life to meet his maker, a small thanks for so great a gift. And yet it drew together life and death in a way that gave hope during this lacuna in my ministry. The Book of Common Prayer's burial service reminds us that, in the midst of life, we are in death. I've always thought it a more comforting verse than it first appears, for it reminds us of the echo of its counter-truth, essential to Christianity, that even in the midst of death, we are in life, the life of Christ, a sort of blessed circularity. My life in Christ began in a fruit bowl, but my earthly life continued thanks to the work of Derek Gibson, and to commend him to the hope of eternal life was a great privilege and blessing. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more.